God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you on this first Sunday after Christmas, Christmas through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The little Lord Jesus is on the run. Our reading today from Matthew takes us forward in time a little bit since Jesus was born in the manger. Matthew doesn't say whether he and his family are still in the manger when the wise men come to see him. I certainly hope not. I mean, it has to have been a few days, right? Weeks, perhaps, even, maybe even months before these guys show up. Mary and Joseph had to have found a better place to stay than the manger by then. But more importantly, though, our text today tells us there's no more silent night. All is not calm anymore. Gentle Mary picked up her child and ran for the open desert. And it's interesting, too, that the angel tells Mary and Joseph to take Jesus to that dark land of Pharaoh and his gods, who, generations before, had also killed Israelite children. But by Jesus' time, you know, the Egypt was outside of Herod's jurisdiction, and Egypt was just a shadow of its former glory. The pharaohs had lost their power and influence, and they were in decline. So, as we know, everything would be okay. Well, maybe not for everyone, it would seem. Christmas morning, I shared a picture of the nativity up here on the screen. It was a Caravaggio, 1604. This is Banksy, 2019. Have you seen this one? So Banksy is the anonymous street artist in London, very controversial guy. His works of art just show up on the street. Just, they just show up in auctions and galleries. Take a look at this one. What do you notice? What do you see? Bullet hole, yeah? Bullet holes. You know, the nice thing about art is very rarely does the artist ever tell you what you're supposed to see or what you're supposed to feel when you see his or her work of art. It's just up to the beholder. Looks very political, doesn't it? And I'm not a very political person, so I didn't really see what a lot of people that commented on this saw. You know, I know that there's... uh, Now, people were saying, oh, Jesus would never put up a wall. Um, Other things like, you know, well, it just goes to show you that even Jesus comes at a time. You know, even today, things are bad. Uh, You know, here's what I saw. Jesus is a refugee. Jesus and his family are refugees, right? And this work of art here almost fits pretty well with what Matthew says in our reading today. What happened to him and his family? Bethlehem wasn't a safe place anymore. Now, there weren't bullets flying, but swords were coming. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus went on the run, as you heard. They became refugees in a foreign land. It was political. The Holy Family's run for their lives related to a strategy of a particular national leader, Herod. And what about the genocide that happened in the wake of all this? 
God came down from heaven to earth to save mankind from sin, death, and the devil. And almost immediately after it happens, hundreds of innocents are slaughtered. All those boys, two years old and under, they're the first Christian martyrs mentioned in the New Testament. They're the first to die on account of Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas. But let's not be too upset about that because when we commune here at the altar together, we also commune with those boys. Their young lives may have been cut short under hellish circumstances, but they live with Christ now. They were born. We were all born for that purpose, to be with God and worship Him forever. And I'll get back to that in a second. But I want to say now that 11 Advents and Christmases here have been such a wonderful blessing from God and from you, for me and my family. I I know I speak personally and also for them as well. All the Christmases have been good here since 2009, but they just keep getting better. You know, Lent and Easter with all its pain and glory, you know, that's a powerful time of the year too. But uh, I really like Advent and Christmas, don't you? Yeah. And this one we're having is no exception. I really liked the Christmas Eve services we had here. So many people. So many. More than last year, it seemed. So wonderful to see so many people take that long, arduous journey from their comfortable home into their car, all the way here, in through these doors to Bethlehem to see this thing that's happened. There also seem to be more of those, and, and I'm not talking very many, maybe just a dozen or so. There, there seem to be more of those dozen or so people who look like they didn't want to be here at all. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, the eyes, the facial expression, the body language, the demeanor, it it says a lot. That's really interesting to me. Don't get me wrong. I'm not losing any sleep over it. You know, it's, it's not personal. At least I don't, I don't think it is. I mean, I don't really know the people whom I'm speaking of. And I realize as, as pastor, you know, I stand for and represent things that a lot of people don't believe and are against. It doesn't bother me. I mean, I know what I've got myself into. And besides, I didn't write the scripture. You know, no one can blame me. Can't blame you. Oh, and you know, I realize that people have tremendous guilt and shame that, that grips them with fear when they enter a church and a minister greets them and extends his hand in welcome. I get it. But don't you wish there's more that we could do for them? You know, After 10 years at this, I've found people's averseness to the church is not an easy door to open. Uh, you know, and, it, and, and it has to be opened on their side anyways. My door's always open. That, that's my job, right? And I genuinely like to talk about God and faith and sin and salvation and and death, and life, and whatever, to anyone who wants to talk about them. But when the other person's door is shut, uh, there's just no getting in unless they open it. And it's kind of a rare thing. 
But it kind of gets me thinking, though, about this next decade coming up. Jesus isn't on the run anymore. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Now, that's not to say that he's resting on his laurels either. God the Holy Spirit is upon us and lives in us. As well as he's on the move. He's on the run in the world. Actively searching out those who would hear, listen, and, be- and believe and also receive the gift of faith and life. People may run from him. A great many do to their own destruction. But many do hear and let the Spirit create faith and welcome him into their lives. And truly desire to follow him. You know, new people are born into the kingdom of God every single day. And that's a good thing. Who knows how many will be born again in this house of faith. Remember though, and take it to heart that Jesus is for you. And with you. Right? While he's on the run and bringing others to faith, he continues to care for you and nurture you with his word and his very body and blood at this altar. You and I are made for that purpose, you know. Our purpose in life is to know our God and to make him known. He went on the run for us in order that he too would be a refugee, threatened with death, even before he could say a word to offend anyone. He knows what injustice feels like. He knows what it, what it is to live oppressed, in prison and on the run. He knows what it feels like to be an immigrant and what it feels like to go home. He knows you, even though you may believe there's no one on this earth that knows what it's like to be you. He does. Before we get to heaven, we don't always know where God leads us, where we'll live or where we'll work, you know, who we'll marry and so forth, what school we'll go to, but we can be sure our Lord is with us and that his plans are good. That you can be sure of. Even after every amazing thing that happened up to the time they went on the run, Joseph wasn't sure what would happen when they went back to Israel. You know, you can kind of see there what Matthew says. uh, You know, they went back to Israel, and we don't know really exactly where he intended to go, but uh, kind of changed his mind when he found out that the person who's still running the land may not be so friendly to Jesus, to his son. So God led them to Nazareth to fulfill a promise. And you know, there are promises attached to these prophecies. And it's been prophesied that all people who know Jesus Christ as Savior are saved and will live in everlasting paradise with Him. You and I are part of that prophecy. You're in it. You're included in the prophecies in the Scripture. Have you ever thought of that? It's not just some alien or foreign word to you. You're in it. You're part of it. You get what's promised in these prophecies. And we ask, loving Father, help us. Help us all to listen to your Holy Spirit and pray with your Son, your will be done, and follow where you lead. Amen.